Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Late Night Linux Extra. I'm Joe. And today we've got another conversation between me, Chris and Gary. Before we get into that, just a quick thank you to everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that and it makes this all possible. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com support. And for $5 or more per month, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com contact. So let's get straight on with it then. So I wanted to talk to you two about your home lab setup. I get the feeling that they're relatively elaborate for home setups. At home, I have some bare metal. I didn't used to have as much, but very recently, actually, I set up basically a ZFS mirror. I got an old HP small form factor machine. It's got just a couple of three and a half inch drives in just one terabyte um, WD reds. So that's just a ZFS mirror, which replicates to a single drive ZFS pool. And then it's also backed up into the cloud with BorgBase, which is like a cloud-based Borg backup provider. And that replaced, previously, I just had Raspberry Pis with USB hard drives hanging off them. And yeah, there's a smattering of some cloud stuff. I've got some very cheap VPSs, I think three of them. There's one that hosts a Unify controller. And then I also have a couple of very low-end ones with 256 megabytes of RAM just as a WireGuard endpoint for giving out a British IP address to watch TV, which I don't really use that much anymore because I WireGuard into my home connection, which serves the same purpose, but it's faster with a VPS provider. I'm guessing for you, Gary, quite a lot of it's cloud-based given what you do. Yeah, so my home lab, I guess similar to Chris, about 10 years ago it started off as an old Pentium 3 desktop with a USB hard drive plugged into it and has grown since then. I suppose with my career and also just where the industry has gone in general, say I do have still a reasonable amount of on-premise slash in my garage elements to it. So in the garage, there's a, a four-base Synology NAS along with two small form factor Dell machines. I think they're a bit older than the ones Chris has. So these are third gen i5s, just small form factor machines. And they effectively have iSCSI to the Synology box. And then the Synology does a nightly backup to another Synology box that's offsite at my parents' place. And then both of those backup to object storage in two different cloud providers. But the stuff I'm running on-prem tends to just be for messing about with and there's very limited production that sits on-premise and a lot of it is in cloud now. So I started off the stuff in the cloud where I was running a VPS, um, again, relatively low-end gig of RAM, single CPU, 20 gig or so of disk. And that was just running a few containers. So it was running Nextcloud, it was running a Git server, and a few other various bits and pieces. And I kind of outgrew that fairly quickly in terms of compute and disk. And also started traveling a lot more when I changed jobs. Say I wanted something where all of my machines were on a LAN that I could get to at all times without it being reliant on, you know, WireGuard tunnel or OpenVPN back into my home network. So the way that I've got it configured now is that it's almost like this meta network that sits on top of all of my machines using WireGuard. Say there's a central WireGuard server on a VPS. And I 
pretty much exclusively access everything across that WireGuard IP space. And that's across two or three different VPS providers and two or three different sites on premises. And it's just nice that when I'm traveling or I'm in a hotel or whatever, and I need to get to anything, I just access everything across the WireGuard network all the time by default. Don't you find it frustrating the the different pipes that you've got? Like presumably like your parents' upload isn't great, for example. Yeah, so they've got at my parents' place it's a forty down ten up. Oh, so not too bad then. Yeah, so it's not terrible. And here it's a three hundred down fifty up connection. So I can, you know, upload data to back up to my parents' place as quickly as their connection can download it effectively. And obviously all of the stuff that goes up to object storage all goes from here because it's just a bit of a quicker connection. You know, it sits across multiple different cloud providers and stuff. Um, So a lot of the stuff that I'm running has become inspired by my work. So there's a lot of stuff that I've got that's running in one cloud provider that's, you know, it's a homebrew self-built Kubernetes cluster. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on with that to do with my day job in moving that over to manage Kubernetes or serverless and those kind of things. So I tend to model by home lab after what I work on day to day, really. So it sounds like you, Gary, are leaning a little bit more towards the cloud than you, Chris. But ultimately, you have to have a bit of both, don't you? You can't just rely 100% on one and not the other. Yeah. One of the VPSs I have is running a unified controller that is a multi-site management pane of glass for my clients because I do residential IT support. And if I can convince people to, I'll get them to run wires if they can and then have wireless access points. And I've hitherto used Unify. I could, of course, run that controller from home, but I want the security of being able to pick up the phone and say, there's a hardware error and they just do a swap out there and then, or they just move me to another bit of the data center rather than with my home setup. Like if there's a power cut or there's an internet outage, which is very frequent because I've only got a residential ISP, then all my clients, I can't monitor the, those uh, Wi-Fi sites and make configuration changes and things. So that is really useful. And also I have a VPS that's like a sync thing node and it's just... There's something about paying a monthly fee and knowing that they have much more redundancy and they're able to deal with errors that I like, but it's a lot more expensive to get a VPS with a terabyte of storage. You can do block storage and stuff like that, but also it's the upload speed really for me that's the killer that you brought up, Joe. Like, I'd rather just do a LAN backup and then do incremental backups from that than have to deal always with the pitiful upload speed that I have. And I might use cloud a bit more if I had faster upload, I think. Yeah, if you lived in France all the time. Yeah, 700 meg upload for 40 euros a month. Like, that's insane. (laughs) If you're in a big city, it's completely accessible to get that speed. I, I sometimes think of dropping a box in Paris, configuring it and just dropping it because it would have a gig down and 700 up which is just so much better and then just doing everything from there. But again, as soon as you're in the UK, bumping anything up to that box is going to be limited. I've got like 20 maximum upload speed at the moment and it's just a real hamstring on the whole thing. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets. 
training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service, available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals, and will check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. I remember the day that I got a free upgrade to 20 down, and I felt like a god. <laughs> this must have been a good 15 years ago. And I just, I remember I started out, my first ever broadband was one megabit, and it was amazing, like it was so fast. And then they doubled it, and then it went to five, and then 10, and then 20. I, I, I really remember 20 specifically as feeling like, this is as fast as it's ever going to get. And obviously now I've got 300 and something down and more than 20 up. But it's it's funny how things change. I wonder where things will be in another 15 years. Probably in the UK about the same. Yeah, they they well, they made a bit, a bit of inroads in the last year, but they just didn't lay the infrastructure when they could have done. That's the difference between the UK and France, isn't it? They, they have laid the fiber optic infrastructure here, which gives them a great deal of capacity. So if you want, actually... You can now get like five or 10 gig connections here in Paris and it's still not expensive because it's just fiber. Like they have the capacity, they've laid the infrastructure and the equipment was expensive that could handle that kind of speed, but the equipment price is dropping now as well. So mm. one thing which has really helped with all of that, that kind of flat network that Gary said, WireGuard has been really, really good because I know that OpenVPN can do the same but the performance of wireguard on even like the cheapest plastic toy routers like when i travel i carry a it's the size of a packet of cigarettes a router which has the same soc as a tp-link archer c7 but the wireguard performance compared to openvpn as a client is so much faster so creating a flat network with wireguard with high performance even on very very low spec hardware has really um helped to bridge you know i can bring up tunnels to my vps i don't quite do it like gary i don't know why i think i'm a bit nervous but i'm worried about having one flat ip range and then something getting compromised and then everything just getting hosed so i maintain slightly separate tunnels but being able to bring them all up in different ip ranges and ssh into different boxes and feel like just wherever i am in the world i can get across all of it has been really, really useful. And I find the configuration of WireGuard to be extremely simple. And it becomes a five-minute job to create a new subnet or attach a, mach a machine to the same subnet. And um, that has really helped with that, I think. Yeah, so I try not to keep everything in one big flat network. So I keep anything public-facing on a separate IP range in WireGuard, and that has literally zero access to the network that I've got everything else on. But I think the big advantage for me with WireGuard has been the robustness of those tunnels, particularly on mobile devices, because you know, I'm traveling a, a reasonable amount now for work. And 
just knowing that you know I'm going to go to my phone and WireGuard will be connected and be working. Whereas with OpenVPN, I used to get all sorts of issues where the tunnel had dropped but was still showing as active in the OpenVPN client, or it would just hang because it was waiting for some signal from the remote server to allow the connection to terminate, or you know all sorts of horrible stuff like that. And the certificates were always a bit of a mess as well. And it just became a pain to manage. Whereas what I actually want is just something where I can turn a switch on in an app and have access to all of my stuff without exposing it on the public internet. Yeah. And I, I recently got a bit nervous because of the VPS I was talking about running, um, the Unify controller because of what's going on with ubiquity. They seem to be pulling multiple shotguns out on a regular basis and firing bullets into their feet. I've lost faith. I haven't found an alternative and I've got a lot of clients with the hardware and a lot of competitors are either purely cloud-based where you rely on their cloud infrastructure or very expensive licenses for central management. The advantage of the Unify controller for now is you can self-host it and so I run it in the VPS. But I've become nervous about the security breaches and things. So I've used the stateful firewall of my uh, VPS provider. And so that basically acts like an edge router. And then I VPN behind that, which means I've had to say to my clients, I'm sorry, you can't log into the Unify controller yourself because the web interface is never web facing at all. It's hidden behind the stateful firewall. And then I WireGuard behind that to then log in to do the monitoring. And that kind of flexibility has been really useful. And I think AWS has had that for ages, but my specific VPS provider added that a bit later on. And it just means that you can create like an onion basically and say, okay, no one's seeing that. But if I'm in the WireGuard tunnel, I can see those interfaces. Same with like the sync thing, management interface and things like that. So being able to combine them all like that, it does mean that you're able to create what feels like a LAN across a much wider stretch of the internet, actually. Yeah, see, I've combated that Unify problem by just running the controller on my network, but that doesn't scale to, like you say, running it for customers and stuff. But yeah, I just run it locally and have no connectivity to it from the outside world and don't use any of the cloud stuff on it because... I'm managing my network, but they seem to be making that increasingly difficult to do, which makes me think that at some point maybe I'll have to switch the hardware out, but we'll see because switching that stuff out is quite expensive. Yeah. And I'm not, some, some of the clients, I'm, I'm not going to go and rip like five or more APs out. And what's annoying is the actual stability of it is great, like really, really good. I've, I've never had a problem with it. I know that there's probably more performant hardware, but it's just so annoying the path that they've gone down when you've committed to a not insignificant number of deployments of it for then the rug to be pulled under your feet and just feel like I've stuck a version behind. I'm still on the version five of the controller because they've put all this, you know, you should buy a dream machine. You should use the cloud. Oh, but your cloud was compromised, but it doesn't matter. We're still going to make it so that you have to, that you're being pushed into a corner to log in with cloud-based management. But yeah, as I say, I, there's some TP-Link stuff, which is a complete ripoff of it, which I tried and it was okay, but the stability wasn't there. There's stuff like Aruba, which is purely cloud-based unless you buy 
the more expensive equipment with license fees attached. And I'm just gonna, not going to bring the bottom line out to the client in the same way, because if a Uber experiences downtime on the instant on stuff, then I just have to say to the client, sorry, <laughs> we just have to wait for them to fix it. I'll get back to you when they do. Whereas self-hosting it, even if it's with a VPS provider, it's a bit of a bind, basically. But such is the march of progress, isn't it? Once people make lots of profits, they start to make bad decisions, I always find.